0: Welcome to the Popular Demand Album Club. I'm your host, Jay. With me today, I have my co host, DeLon. What's up, DeLon?
1: As-salamu awesome. Alaikum, brother Jordan.
0: And guest starring today on the episode, we have the contributor to the Soul Sound website. We got Tommy with us. What's up, Tommy?
2: Greetings. Hope everyone's doing well.
0: We have a Popular Demand contributor, frequent Popular Demand contributor. We got the homie Daniel with us. What's up, Daniel?
3: Yo, support your local museums.
0: Do that, do that, do that. And then join us for the first time ever, we have a Dallas Mass fan, music expert, uh, occasional TL disruptor. We got Dre with us today. What's up, Dre?
4: <laughs> What's happening, man? Glad to be here, man. Appreciate it.
0: If you guys are listening to us on Apple, Spotify, Tidal, make sure you give us five stars, give us 10 stars, whatever rating system they use. If you're listening to us on YouTube, make sure that you like, comment, and subscribe. Uh, the album that we'll be talking about today is Black on Both Sides by Mos Def. Uh, the Brooklyn MC released the album in, on October 12th, 1999. Features with Buster Talib Kweli, Q-Tip, has production from DJ Premier. It was lauded by critics at the time. It's, it's innovative, very Afrocentric. It was thought of to be what, the pinnacle of what hip hop could be by some critics. In terms of what it was touching on subject matter wise and all the different instrumentation and things that it was using so praise praised by a lot praised by many hated by very few and all and very much it was only about i think it's like i saw like one review that was like negative it was like uh, it was too long I, I can't remember who gave that review i can't remember what publication did that but uh but yeah that, that that's the album you know the race of the person yeah I, no i don't have the race of the person <laughs>
3: <laughs> but i'm just wondering that's important.
0: But that, that's the album that we're gonna cover today. And like I said, if you if you haven't if you did not listen to the Lupe Fiasco Food and Liquor one we did, what we're gonna do is we're gonna just not so much rate the album or talk about how bad it was or how good it was. Well, yeah, we are gonna talk about how good it was, but we're gonna talk about the music in general, <laughs> what, what we loved about it, our thoughts on it, and just the impact that it had on hip hop. So, in a roundtable discussion, leading us today, Daniel's gonna take control of the questions. So, Daniel, take away whenever you're ready
3: year um so beautiful beautiful introduction brother jordan um so <laughs> for me essentially i don't know this album i don't even remember how i necessarily found this album i want to say maybe i found out about black star first mm-hmm. um before i maybe found out about most death the solo artist you know what you're going to laugh brown sugar top 3 movie ever made and maybe that's my introduction to most death <laughs> I think <laughs> I think I just like.
0: <laughs> I think my introduction was like Pandora Radio, and then Miss Fat Booty came on because it's like I like hip hop station, and it like it would periodic it would like periodically come on. And I am like, oh, who's this? Who's this? Okay. Eventually, I doubt myself. I'm gonna check out the rest of his music, and that's when I found. That right. album. Hey man,
1: Pandora loves
0: Miss Fat Booty. Oh, it do. That's, that's <laughs> the only most Pandora. That's the only most deaf song they play. It's just that one. So so good. I think my introduction the most.
1: Um, I think I actually. It was in my super like my eighth grade super like listen to all the nineties rap type music. Um, I think I was on Talib first, um, and then Black Star and then Most Death. Um, quickly the favorite quickly switched one hundred percent
0: uh yeah. wasn't even a question man wasn't even a question i used to love telequality too and over time well and i've said i've said this so many times but it's so crazy to me as like it's rooted in hip-hop twitter i am i never see that stuff until people say it and then i go to his twitter myself like i never seen him yeah. i retweeted it, quoted it, or nothing it just they like man he was wild today i said i ain't see none of that <laughs> I, I,
1: I think their twitter use is like the exact um the exact way i I hear their music too because talib to me is just you know how there's that fine line of like when you're just a little too preachy i think talib crosses that line to me whereas most of just so perfectly fits in there um Mm -hmm. it kind of sounds like you're experiencing those lessons lessons with most rather than him just like talking at you over the entire song
0: that's very well said yeah dre what was your introduction to black on both sides
4: my introduction to this album, so my first time hearing Most Deaf period was on College Dropout, which is one of my favorite albums of all time. And um I didn't hear this album until I was in college. So this was probably like twenty fifteen. I was pretty late to this album. I'm almost kinda embarrassed to say it. But um when I cause I had a homeboy, I got a homeboy named Q. This is like his favorite album ever. So he mm. was like, You ain't never heard Black on Both Sides? I was like Nigga, no! I'm from South Carolina. Ain't nobody, ain't nobody like. <laughs> right, 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 right. But um, when I heard it, it was like immediately, like okay, I I get it. Like I get the hype. I get his rapping ability. I didn't even know he sung, like Umi says and all that. I didn't even know that. So that caught me off guard, but I loved it. And like now, it's like top twenty favorite albums of all time. So I love this album, man.
0: And like I don't, and like people saying like you never heard Black on Both Sides? No, because it has like no real commercial song other than Miss um, yeah. Black, <laughs> Miss Fat Booty. Unless you heard it on the Pandora, yeah. you probably never heard <laughs> of it. Most of that doesn't really do a lot of guest features. He don't do a lot of public appearances. Like he, you would kind, of, it's easy to forget who he is or even that he existed unless you like really, really, really into um, rap. All right, you cutting into my content. That is on the
3: questions
2: list.
0: My bad, Relax. Tommy. Tommy, Tommy, <laughs> go ahead. Tell us what was your <laughs> introduction to this album?
2: Um. I think uh, I, the first time I listened to it, uh, first time I heard Most Deaf ever, I think I was, this was back when I was on Spotify, listening to like recommended songs. And I think uh, Black Star came on with uh, Brown Skin Lady and I added that song and I thought that was such like a smooth, like a good vibe song. Mm-hmm. Wasn't paying attention to it much at the time. I just loved the vibe of it. But then I started looking at more into Most Deaf and everyone was saying, you gotta listen to this album. You gotta listen to this album. So I think I ended up listening to it about sophomore year in high school on like a plane going somewhere. And normally I fall asleep on planes, but I was so interested in what he was saying and the beats and the whole aesthetic of it all that I was just staying awake. I'm like, holy shit, this is really good. Where his other albums? And I saw he only had like two other albums on like streaming. And then I was just kind of sad, disappointed. So to me, I feel like this is, um,
3: it's just a really black album. I don't know how more to like put that. So my first (laughs) question was the album (laughs) with Fear Not of Man. And Mo says, You know what's gonna happen with hip hop? Whatever's happening with us, he goes on to explain, like, you know, if we smoked out, hip hop smoked out. If we all right, hip hop is gonna be all right. So, my question was, What transformations do you guys think hip hop has made since that statement was made? And do you believe that hip hop is currently a reflection of the state of Black people?
0: I'll go first. And I will say, I do, I don't, maybe not so much the state of Black people, but I do think hip hop is definitely a reflection of mankind and just how we like we live in a digitalized age where we're constantly consuming media. Like we're constantly like moving on to the next thing. And I feel like hip hop has become this product that's constantly trying to satisfy our hunger to consume things. And that's why you have artists releasing 20, pro- 20 track albums, and then doing a deluxe edition with another 20 songs on it like there's co- like they're constant hip-hop artists are constantly feeding us material because that, that's what all we want like it used it used to be that if you spent two years on an album that was spent that, that that wasn't a long time but now if you spend two years on the album it's like that's an eternity in um, the day and age of hip-hop so i feel like hip-hop is really what p- artists are doing by speeding up the process re- releasing like four or five projects in the same year for the Griselda, or just releasing like ridiculously large albums. I think that reflects how our attention spans have changed. Also, how we've gone more harmonious and we do a lot more melodies. It's a lot less focus on just lyrics. I say that aren't people now make like who make lyrics that matter? But there's a lot less emphasis on lyrics today compared to when most was rapping. And I think it's more so because now people don't really have time to sit down and really just like go to rap genius and look up every single last line of, of, a, of a song like i used to do that back in like high school and like middle school i'll like be on rap Genius all day i'd rarely do that for music now don't really have to for a lot of music but mm-hmm. i think that's i think that's like an accurate reflection of where we are today
4: um to follow up with that point you know when most said you know if we smoked out hip-hop is going to be smoked out and when you listen to a lot of mainstream Rap today, you know, niggas is smoked out, niggas is perked out, zanned out, mollied out, all that. And that's not like to criticize or whatever, how people live is just, it's a reality. And, you know, the music reflects that. So I always felt like that was one of those lines where even the first time I heard it, I was like, damn, that's, that's true. And to take it even a step further, I feel like that applies to listeners as well. So like in 2015, I was in college, you know, going out doing all of that and you know i was bumping a lot of future a lot of young thug uzi and all that because it reflected where i was in my life Damn. now so now you know years <laughs> later, i'm washed graduated all that so now i don't i like future you know i like this last album but i don't really be you know bumping it like that you know i'd rather listen to some like you know griselda or Bodie james or
2: mm-hmm.
4: um so i think that applies to the artist and the listener like hip-hop just reflects on you know where we at so i think that was a super relevant line that he said in 1999 and 21 years later it's still relevant
0: so he said a lot of stuff is still relevant today
4: what about you Mm
0: -hmm. um so for me
1: i kind of took it as um where i see it is At the time that he said that and and definitely all before that black people um we were in but usually it was in an aspect of taking stealing interpreting and using um but now i kind of think that it's the reflection of how now black people are in the black culture is in and that's what people use and have commercialized so i think that right now hip-hop kind of emulates that as, as rappers now not necessarily speaking on as much, you know, these kind of topics or or trying to, the personas are now so much easier to emulate and appreciate and put in commercials and all that kind of stuff, that I think now black people are just very in, black music is very in, which we see statistically and all that kind of stuff. Um, so that's kind of how I see it, not necessarily as what's happening with black people, um,
0: But I guess what's happening with Black culture? Word up, word up, word up. Mm Tom, I'm sorry we keep going to you last. uh,
2: Uh, (laughs) I've actually. um, Black ass album. (laughs) Delon, actually, going off what he said, um, I believe it's the song uh, Rock and Roll on this album that kind of relates to what you said that basically um, most devs spends the whole song just saying that rock and roll, which essentially, uh, derived a lot of its talent and creativity from the people who originated it, like Jimi Hendrix and all these other black musicians, where the popular artists were at the time, you know, white uh, musicians, and he calls out like Limp Bizkit and a bunch of other white led bands that kind of shows that hip hop is essentially the driving force behind a lot of mainstream music nowadays. You see a lot of pop stars running, you know, trap beats and having hip hop features all over the place. So that kind of reflects how that music and uh, black artists are able to pretty much influence the whole culture around them besides just specifically hip hop. And I think that hip hop, because it's so big now, it's so diverse that it can cover different aspects and different point of views from different artists. So you still have the conscious edge of people, but you also still have the people that are ignorant and just like to go to the club and fuck shit up. So you have that broad spectrum and I think it still reflects that.
0: I love hip hop because like i feel like more than any i feel like more than any other genre well more so than pop for sure more so than country i feel like it tells a story of like actual people every single day more so than a lot of other genres do but what you what's, what you it got for us what, what you what you got
3: for us daniel morgan wall is the soul
0: next. come
1: on i ain't doing this you ain't about to i'm not morgan wall that that's <laughs> but uh,
3: the next one which I feel like we kind of discussed so it was something we could pass over but it was just um I wanted to touch base on like what we thought was the central theme of the album because of course I keep saying like I just think it's a black ass album I think blackness or I think it's just like the story of a young black man and he talks about like different assets and aspects of what he believes to be blackness and maybe in most minds. What well, album is black on both sides. He know what he's doing. But maybe in most of mine, he's just like telling mm-hmm. his story, which happens to be a black story. But yeah, I was going to ask you guys, like, what do you feel is the central theme? Do you think it has a central theme? Do you think the tracks are unconnected? Do you think they connect?
4: Um, I think just like what you said, the album's called Black on Both Sides. So you got one side is, you know, he's preaching positivity, empowerment, you know, community, things like that. Then you got the other side, you got the crime, you got the growing up in low income neighborhoods, you got the perception of black people, you know, like with Mr. Nigga, how we're viewed when we get success and things like that. So I feel like it does have a central theme. It's just, you know, the celebration of just black people in general, Um, you know, the good and the bad. So I feel like that's kind of the overarching theme of the whole album.
0: Big old facts. What about you, Tommy?
2: Um I, I agree with that pretty much. Uh, word for word, bar for bar, uh, word to the <laughs> soldier boy. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I will I will say that one, one of the most interesting things of it is while it does have that theme. It's kind of like um <sighs> imagine like a TV show where there's like an overarching theme, but each episode is kind of like its own individual story. Mm -hmm. but it still adds to the overall picture. Like, it's, It's weird to say, but a song like Hip Hop immediately followed after by a song like Love and then Miss Fat Booty, and they're all talking about these different subjects that when you look at them on the surface, they're so different, but they all add up to the same theme. So I honestly think that it's actually pretty clever how it works that way. There's the surface level side, and then there's the holistic side that you can look at it, which is like freedom of the mind and all of that.
0: And I think like I, like Daniel, Dre, Tom, yeah, I pretty much already nailed it on the head, so I don't have too much more to add to this. But like you said, the album's called Black on Black Sides. I think the theme is most he's focusing on like a celebration of being black, enjoying the fact of that, and as well as talking about the experience of being a black man or even just being a person. Because like themes like love, like you said, that's that's universal. That's something that anybody can relate to. And a couple of other topics along on the album. But ultimately, like it always ties back. Like I think on the song was it uh know that and like it's not another song at the end of the song, it just breaks out into a chant where you just start my people, my yeah. people, no my doubt. people. Like he does it like two or three times on two different songs. And so it's just like a reminder that like that's that's who he's talking to, that's who he's talking about as he progresses through the album. Uh I think that so I think that's what the theme is, It's just blackness, like yeah, yeah. Devon, you got anything to add on to that?
1: And for the smallest, for the smallest add-on, just self-love because um, even in the even in the nuance Of the way he talks about specific things like miss fat booty for example um that is a very tender song talking about this woman with a fat ass so i mean about love. <laughs> you know it's a song about love and not only that there's so much appreciation for this woman that he is talking about um these positive affirmations more so how much he wants her but just like you know you know what i'm saying it's, it's just a very much appreciation of um, and it's not really a confrontational album, um, just a lot of lessons, a lot of
2: a lot of caring and self-love.
0: But it, it gets confrontational on uh, rock and roll. But other than that, yeah. <laughs> he actually he has a
2: a line on um on mathematics that it actually it kind of struck a chord with me where it goes for all my people, and he also mentions Latinos and even the gringos. So when I heard that being a Latina, I'm like, oh, okay,
1: all right. <laughs> me too. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs>
3: I wanted to say so when I listen to this album, I though I know what led me to this album. I really don't know like how old I was or when that was when I discovered this album. I just know like it was there one day for me. Um, I was gonna say, do you guys think? So this album kind of reminds me of. So three years prior this dropped in '99 and '96, the Fugees dropped the score. Um, which so I'm a young Haitian man or young Haitian American man. So to me, um, the Fugees are just like. I'm putting them over Wu Tang. Um, I do it, it don't matter who it is. I see your eyes got wide, but I'm going. to wrap them up. <laughs> 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 so I just always put the Fuji's on like some pedestal. Um, yeah, because represent- representation matters. And even when I talk shit, be like, man, you niggas always want to see somebody that look like you. But goddamn it, I want to see somebody that look like me. So the Fugees <laughs> gave me that. And I think that album to me, the score is just like um, about just beautiful blackness, about resistance about community bonding, about resisting, resisting against oppression, resisting against supremacy. And I feel like Black on Both Sides exist in that kind of space as well. I was going to ask, do you guys think albums like this still have a place in pop culture? I know the first one I think of is to pimp a butterfly. Though Kendrick said, I was not trying to give you niggas anything. I was just talking about my life. And, you know, if it applies, it applies. <laughs> I was wondering, like, do we think that can still be a thing now?
0: uh word of what you said about the fujis and how you gonna you know always rep them because of the haitian background that's how you know that's what we do uh about big crit every other episode for them being from a <laughs> city like us like, yeah. you ain't, gonna ever, you ain't gonna ever hear saying anything bad about big Crit except that except this album. we did say some bad things about this last time but we didn't say too many bad things we, we kept it we kept it pg yeah we kept it pg we don't we ain't put we ain't put it on the twitter like hey y'all we talking bad about big crit album. we didn't do none of that we <laughs> want nobody to hear us say that but uh yeah i i don't really I honestly don't think there's a place in pop culture for this album um for an album like this like even it wasn't a place for it back then fuji's well maybe it was more so the fuji's but it definitely a place for um uh, most death album back then during the 90s i don't even like to be butterfly like i look at what damn is and how it's like it made kendrick like mo- like monumentally bigger than what he is now, and like how, um, like my left stroke went viral. How I've seen that incorporated into like other people's songs, and how I've seen it like like incorporated into TV shows, and just how I've seen like the damn cover be remade multiple times. Like a, a corny Clipper fan uh, remade Ka- Kawhi Leonard. Um, uh, he made a, he remade the the cover with Kawhi Leonard on the front of it because he got his hair look like Kendrick Lamar. Uh, I've seen so many things and takeaways in pop culture. That includes um uh, damn. I even see like I even get on TikTok from time to time and I'll see people use songs from Good Kid Mad City on there. I don't see that with uh, the what's the pepper butterfly, like the music, like I don't see it like used on TikTok. I don't see it used. Um I don't see it used like for funny. Well, I do see it used for funny videos because it's like the video of the girl twerking to uh you. But uh <laughs> I do see that on Twitter, but like ultimately, like I don't really see it used in pop culture that like that. I don't see people like celebrate or like pop culture like like use the cover and like reimagine it in different ways like I have with like Good Kid, Mad City or Damn. And I think it's because like pop culture don't really care about black culture like that to cel- to really, really celebrate an album that's like really, really, really black. So I don't really, I think it's much appreciated. Like I, I love the Hell Out Top of the Butterfly. That's my favorite Kendrick album. But in the grand scheme of pop culture, I don't think there's a real place for it.
1: To that point, I think that's a lot more about the sound than it is a subject matter, because even with one of the more approachable songs on the album, All Right, that has become an anthem of sorts, especially this summer. Um, I think... Go ahead.
3: I hate to cut you off, sorry. But I I think that's still celebrated in a very black way. I'm making air quotes, because what does that mean? But so I think we see All Right live to become like a protest song, but it's usually living Talking about like black people like protesting and resisting against the system, so like I don't think I will go out and like. But
1: that's that's that, kind of like that point that I was making earlier. I do think that like because and I hate to say it, but rebel sticking up for black people was a trend this summer, and I do think that that became a part of pop culture because when I was um, when I was at the protest of the unnamed city that I live in now. Um, a predominantly white protest that I saw, that song was blasting, they all knew all the words. Um, and I do think that the subject matter of To Pimp a Butterfly was very much there. And I do think the subject matter of here would be there as well. Um, it's just that sound doesn't translate as well. But I, I do think that there is room for an album like Black on Both Sides in today's culture. It's just the difference is that you can just tell that integrity of the the pro-Black music um, and I personally don't want it if it is commercialized, and a lot of it is commercialized. Like as soon as we see one of those on a on a like a Macy's commercial or something like that, or we see like the 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 song was made for the commercial with the Pepsi can, and all that kind of stuff. Or, or you know, you just hear the song that is, you know, we're black, we're black, but like there's no real depth to it besides just getting that chanting or
4: something so like no that. No the for of this is America. Um,
1: I like, yeah, I yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I, I like I like my pro black music with some integrity, and some thoughts. Um, when I see that, I do love it
0: now. Even then, like I, you said, you notice know, the sound. Uh, I, I'm trying to think of some more like real pro black or just like very pro black songs before even like Mathmatic came out. But like you know, I get you know I, you know Jay Cole usually makes music like that from time to time too. But I don't think none of those songs are his more popular ones either. You see what I'm saying, so I don't even think it's just a, mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe, maybe those songs happen to have that sound too, like "Different Butterfly." But I don't think songs that generally celebrate being black generally reach the stratosphere of like commercialism.
3: I think it depends on. So I wanted to talk to DeLon Mentioned the idea of commercial, and I—that's a word that I kind of loathe. There's not an attack on you, DeLon. Um, but I just feel like for some reason, whenever artists we enjoy become successful fans like start to complain and bicker and like it, it's just a weird thing. And I'm laughing because Hove is um Dre's background and Hove is who I hear in my mind thought uh, like talking about this. Like am I not supposed to make money? Like this is my profession. Like what? Mm-hmm. So um I think of so granted I don't really care for the song, but um Beyonce's formation to me was supposed to be like a pro black song. Um and it was a very, very successful song. I went back to talk about I'm backpedal and talking about the Fuji's again, the scores of very successful album. I'd say it's maybe like four times platinum or something like that. has like massive songs on it Um, and the whole album is about like being black. So I think there is a space for it, but I think what DeLon goes back to saying like about integrity. So I remember when um, Meek was released from jail this last time and there was like this whole campaign. Yeah, you know where I'm going, Jordan. And I was like, I hope people don't try to turn him into Meek Luther King because that's not what he is. Like that's not what I want to hear from you. Um, But (laughs) <laughs> so and so he really did try to go that way. And you can tell when it's just not genuine and something is fake and someone's doing something because it's just like what's in right now. And I think that's why that music was very unsuccessful. And I think that's why people still don't really listen. Like he just had an EP that I'm sure none of you guys heard um, because people just don't care. And when you can see that lack of integrity and lack of actual care for something, it translates. So I agree with DeLon that it has to be someone who like shows integrity. I want to say Rhapsody tried, but you know how I feel about Rhapsody. But I believe it was genuine in that album. I actually like that album. It was too bad. I want t- mm-hmm. for
1: for me a quick summary for me it's all about what did you make this song for where did where did your purpose of this song come from and a lot of times actually you can kind of see that uh you can poke holes in the in the integrity
0: of it oh just go go a little bit off subject i daniel told me make released a project and i just had zero clue i had zero clue yeah, i didn't know i was <laughs> I usually yeah, I have, go yeah you know i'm saying i usually hear about things i just get around to it eventually i had zero clue didn't know when it dropped hadn't heard nobody tweet about it hadn't heard, seen a word that's that's it's scary but uh dre uh tommy i have anything no else to, add to this topic? yeah you're right you're right it, it, it's getting it's getting scary out here for me y'all guys yeah. have anything <laughs> else guys much, have, <laughs> so. you guys have anything else to add to this
4: um i think uh pretty much can piggyback off of Delance point where um I kinda question whether, you know, there is a space for it because, you know, pop culture, they don't really they don't want to celebrate, you know, blackness and being proud in your blackness or whatever. Outside of a couple of like you mentioned Beyonce, but Beyonce like is already a star. So it's like, you know, that was her debut song. It probably wouldn't really do anything. And on to the Kendrick point, you know, Spin Butterfly, that's his least popular album. So it's yep. like, that ain't no coincidence. <laughs> it's his most critically people acclaimed people album, but word. yet, but didn't <laughs> sell as much as Good Kid or Damn. So, um, I don't know. I mean, I think just pop culture is more so just thinking about pushing the artists that, you know, have that accessible sound, that accessible content. And I feel like it's been like that for, quite some time honestly so um i think there's a space like under the commercial um you know commercial aspect of hip-hop but as far as like an album like this being the biggest album of the year yeah that's probably not gonna
0: happen all right you don't have anything else to add uh daniel what, what, what you got for us
3: Oh Tommy, you didn't have anything? Nah, no, not really. Honestly, I <laughs>
0: agree with everything you got <laughs> to We gotta let Tommy go first next time, man. Yeah, that's, that's, that's exactly what we're about to do. So, Dan, what, what you got for us?
3: <laughs> before I deviate, I'm before I go into the next one, deviate one more time. Um, as you guys were talking, it made me think. I don't know if anybody listens to Nina Simone or like watch the doc, but I'm on Netflix a while ago, there was a doc called What Happened, Nina Simone. And it was just um, made by her close family members and friends about her life and her music and things of like that. And um, it just always made me think, at, at a point in her career, she made the conscious decision to make like really black political protest music. And in the moment, it made me think about when Delon was like, you know, what's popular in the moment. So in the moment, it hit. But then when people had moved on, all the like activists had died, everyone was like over it. it her career took a massive hit because so much of her catalog was that, and then no one, I guess, wanted to hear that anymore. White audiences, black audiences, anyone. So I think also while we're saying, I'm saying, I want artists to like be beautifully black in their approach and things like that. I think we also have to make sure we're like supporting these artists without like buying um power because mm-hmm. we're asking them to sacrifice a lot by doing this. And then they end up like, just no one's booking them, blah, blah, blah.
0: But we'll
3: throw that <laughs> away, I just wanted to get that off. <laughs> So on Umi says, this is why I told Jordan shut up. But on Umi says, <laughs> says, sometimes I don't want to be bothered. Sometimes I just want a quiet life with me and my baby, me and my lady. Um so Mosa is like a pretty elusive act. I would say he doesn't pop up often. Um shoot, I don't even know if he goes by most or if it's Yasin Bey right now. Um we know he left the country for a bit. He doesn't do guest verses, he doesn't, unless you're at the Brooklyn Museum, you you can't listen to his album. So I know when we talk about the idea of like a top 10 MC, it's a lot more than just like your catalog and your rhyming ability. Like it's a lot of other things into that. My question was, can most still be considered impactful or like a top 10 act without being out
2: and about?
0: Take it away, Tommy. Uh, Okay, so
2: actually uh, uh, in in prep for this, I did listen to his other albums to get a bit of perspective on his uh, career uh and the ecstatic is literally one of the most elusive albums to find to listen i was able to still listen um in terms of uh i i still think and he's in my top 10 but he's the one person in my top 10 that i will be honest that his catalog is kind of kind of like lupe's where there's some incredible highs but there's some albums that i just really don't enjoy But I think I think what excels him above other um, MCs is honestly his songwriting ability, because even on this album, he shows like not just the ability that he has really good wordplay, really good like breath control, cadence, all this other stuff. But he's so good at making just a good vibe and a catchy song. I think the hook from Habitat has been stuck in my brain for the past three weeks. (laughs) <laughs> and I can't get it out of my head. And I honestly think he has like that one of a kind of voice and ability to do that. So even though he's elusive nowadays, uh, he's still dropping great verses. Um, what was that song on uh, Bandana it's that he had a shit. verse on? Education. That was a phenomenal uh, verse. Um, also, I think it was Kid See Ghosts that he had a really interesting feature. Like He's able to go experimental, and I think that puts him over a lot of other MCs too. So uh, I think he's in my top 10, but I could understand because of the discrepancies in his albums that he wouldn't be in someone else's, but he's very talented.
0: I would love to put most of, well, like to say, if we had to make a... Hard cut, like I think this should be what everybody's top 10 is. Like, But you know, you can't say that because music subjective and all this stuff. I'll be like, you know, I'm gonna say it. I'm like, these are the 10, these are the top 10 artists in hip hop, and y'all should agree with it. I don't know if I could put most depth there because while his I do really love his, you know, his first album and ecstatic is also an amazing album and all that stuff. We talk if you want to include things like Impact and how he influenced hip hop and the rest of the things and rest I don't know how many people like today, like in today, like those rappers who've been making music who start making music in like this past decade how many of them like even know most stuff or are even familiar with his music because like i said his music is so elusive like people don't really play it it's not really commercialized so you're not going to hear it just randomly in like a spotify or an apple playlist like that um he's very 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 anti you know capitalism commercialism so like if you want to hear most stuff, you got to go find most stuff and i don't feel like a lot of people do like there's 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 definitely some artists still remaining today who probably draw inspiration from him, like Joey Badass, has mentioned most Step before in his music. And I'm pretty sure there's some more um, NY artists I'm tr- missing off the top of my head that also pay homage. But I don't think his impact is anywhere near top 10. Like, I think there's far more artists who have touched other artists under, in, you know, the next generation. And those and those guys are pulling from them. I don't think many people might pull from most stuff, even though I would love if they did because he's in a phenomenal artist. Uh, Dre, what do you think about that?
4: Um, if somebody walked up to me and said, Yo, most deaf is top 10 all time, I wouldn't even look at you crazy, I wouldn't even debate it. Because when you think about it, like, yeah, his catalog isn't the most extensive, but he got two classics on his resume he got Black Star and Black on both sides. That's more than 98% of rappers ever picked up a microphone. So it's like, and you know, you want to talk skill, you want to talk talent, you want to talk just ability to rap and make a song I mean there ain't too many people you put in over most death as far as the impact thing this was I think I may save that for the questions that you know I ask. but um I feel like most deaths impact might be a little underrated because like when you really think about it like all right i'm gonna I'm already on the tangent so I'm gonna go ahead and go to the point so when you think of dual threats in hip hop, you know, most of the time you think of Lauryn Hill, shout out to Daniel, and um, you think of Andre 3000. That's kind of like the first two names you think about cause they're superstars. You know, they got Grammys, platinum albums, yada, yada. I feel like most Def deserves a little more consideration in those conversations. Cause I mean, he was playing with different genres on his album. You know, he was able to sing effectively, you know, Umi Says, great song, you know, Climb, great r and song, rock and roll, you know, the the whole rock portion at the end of the song. I mean, I feel like he may deserve a little more credit, especially when you hear like Kanye and obviously that was on his first album. Like when you listen to Kanye, you can maybe hear a little bit of that I could be reaching I, could I, say the be subject
0: mat- I say the subject matter for sure.
4: Mm-hmm, yeah, no. but I feel like most Dev might deserve a little more consideration. So if somebody said he's top 10, I wouldn't be mad at it. For me, he's probably top 15, top 20 in my personal list, but I think he has a case for top 10 all the time.
0: Uh, Dan, you seem like he was about to say something. What were you about? To...
3: As far as I love Kanye, this is not a slight to Kanye in any any, mm-hmm. any, any way. But if most sound if Kanye sounded like most, it's probably because most wrote it.
4: Um, ah, come <laughs> on, <laughs> come <laughs> on <laughs> man. I was around. <laughs> he,
1: was, he was
0: in the studio, he was there. He was dope, yeah, he was I- <laughs> nah, nah, Ka- nah Kanye, wrote, Ka- Kanye wrote Sierra Leone. Did Long, um, what you gotta say? Um,
1: I wasn't <laughs> gonna say much. I was also gonna add on to Jay, underrated actor, most definitely is underrated oh. actor. Mm-hmm. Um. Browns are
3: the top five ever.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um but uh yeah, I don't really have. I personally don't my my eight through fifteen is very subjective, or not very subjective, very it changes a lot. I don't really consider it that often. So I'm top ten. At, um but i I just think unfortunately for most death, the way he likes to live his life with acts from the nineties, they're just really not in Terms of impact really not brought up a lot if like they don't have that that visibility nowadays, and unfortunately, that's a fine line where a lot of act, older acts are kind of mad corny now. Uh, we see LL Cool J on Twitter specifically, always saying something weird, just always something. <laughs> <like>. <laughs>
4: no
1: love for big Ellie, no, not, big uh, not. man. Not on Twitter, not on Ellie.
4: Don't deserve that,
1: man. We don't deserve it, but. <laughs> You know, just not even like a constantly making music kind of visibility, but just like there. And even Andre like pops up on a train station with his flute sometimes. But I don't know. It's just a lot of a lot of the people who a lot of the tastemakers don't really bring up most depth. So unfortunately, his impact is going to be a little bit uh, clouded as time goes on.
0: As you know that's that's what we're here for man that's why we do this kind of stuff so that people can think about those kind of artists because listening to the album it's a shame how much he switches back and forth from rapping singing rock mm-hmm. r b rap and yet when people talk about most diverse artists artists who was a dual you know triple threat dual threat his name doesn't even come up nobody even thinks about it. you go to the comment section and like people say, you forgot this person people don't even mention most of in the comments so like mm-hmm. you just he's like an afterthought when that was when we have those discussions and that's just a shame uh, A lot
1: of people like, like they, when well, those kind of discussions, they like to be really like quick to name those artists as like the super binary music. Like when Drake does the five singing and the five rapping, when Lauren does the I am very much rapping here, I'm very much singing here. Um, like even my favorite Drake project is the product where he's rapping and singing on most of the songs, switching up like very frequently, like most would do, not necessarily like splitting it up like that. And I think because most does that uh it covers up a lot of it then it covers up a lot of that singing that people just don't listen to appreciate or remember
2: what do you guys think about the um uh i forget who said it but um in terms of uh, versatility uh i just i noticed and I'm, this may not be strictly him and might be more the producer side of things but there are a couple songs on this album that have really intense beat switches uh, Honestly, I can't think off the top of my head of any 90s albums, hip hop albums that have intense beat switches to the extent of this album. I mean, Brooklyn's kind of like a like a high-minded sicko mode, because uh, there's literally like three different beats, and it's all <laughs> just him just, just spitting facts about like where he grew up in. Rock and roll has like a punk breakdown uh, at the end of it, which is like super out of place, but it's fire at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think maybe he had influence on the, I guess, the idea of having beat switches to sound really cool or change the structure of a song in the future? Or do you think that might just purely be up to chance?
0: It might be up to chance, but that's a very good point. Because sitting here thinking like my favorite songs from the 90s, I can't remember. I can't really think of any off the top of my head. that had a beat switch in it. Like
4: um, a million and one questions by Jay-Z. They got the beat switch and it goes in the Ram No More. That was 97, I think. That's probably the only one I could think of. A song that got a legit beat switch, like a whole different beat to it. Um, But it's still rapping. Like, you mentioned rock and roll. That's, you know, it goes into a whole nother genre for the last, like, minute and 30 seconds. So I I can't think of nothing like that, where it's that drastic of a switch. So, um, yeah, that might be a good point. That's a, that's a very very yeah, research.
3: I don't one. want to just like comment, yeah. but I that's off top. I can't that's not my yeah. <laughs> That's
4: that's not, that's
0: not something you want to go on record saying like, yeah, he definitely was the first one to do it, and you know, people in the comment section be like, well, these niggas don't know nothing.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> but you gave me some you gave us a food for thought though, time I'm gonna make sure yeah. we look into that after this though, because I'm intrigued now
3: get off someone well a few people I know the lawn mentioned and Jordan mentioned the idea of most being like elusive Tommy you said like how you had to go dig for his music things like that so most um most did something pretty cool till end of last year beginning of this year that was like near and dear to my heart I wanted to get to New York so badly to experience it but it just didn't happen for me um so most um in conjunction with the Brooklyn Museum he released an album or an EP um, and if you did not get to the Brooklyn Museum, you did not hear the project. Um, many Sleepless Nights, I was like, damn it, I gotta get to New York. But, <laughs> um, so was, uh, he premiered it exclusively, it was eight tracks, 28 minutes long. Um, so it was kind of like a, almost like an installation of a sort. So um, you come to the museum, they take all your devices, make sure you're not recording it. You go into space. I'm unsure how they curated it specifically. And then you just like really listened and took in the album. And I thought it was, to me, I was like mind blown as a person who loves museums and who loves hip hop. Um, I always think about like, um, I always tell my directors, like, um, I just want to blacken up museums. And I was like, damn, look at Most doing the work. He's blackening up museums. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was um, beautiful. And then him being from Brooklyn and then the Brooklyn Museum just being one of the very few museums that I think just always gets it right every time on how to like reach across that out to that audience. I thought it was perfect because I was like, you know, Most is probably bringing in a group or an audience into the museum probably has never been who probably had some really bad experiences whose parents might have had bad experiences and then it turned them off and i was like you know Moses is opening up that door again i'm gonna say do you guys think there is a place in museums for this is there a place in hip-hop for this and if so like which acts or like which albums would you like to experience in a museum i'm looking at dre's background and blueprint in the museum would be crazy to me
2: <laughs> J- jay-z in museums uh i think i think for magna carta holy grail i think he did a. he tried to do like an art performance of i think he was like freestyling for like four hours or something in the in a museum mm. uh with what with water breaks i think so it might not have been four <laughs> hours
3: but um
2: i uh Jay-Z does rap a lot about, you know, paintings, not necessarily appreciating them and more just owning them because he is that wealthy, but Mm -hmm. I do think that there are a lot of albums that not just musically and historically, but also aesthetically uh, should be on display for museums because at the end of the day, it is art. And I think Black on Both Sides is like kind of a perfect example of that because all like the music videos um the way it sounds the way that its characters are presented is kind of an amazing work of a body of work of just one person putting their heart and soul onto pen and paper and over beats so i definitely think that there's room in museums for stuff like this
0: Word to most deaf earlier in the album when he says, you know, hip hop isn't a giant waiting in the heels, you know, it's a reflection of us and who we are. And I feel like that's what museums are supposed to do, it's supposed to capture the times of what we, we are now, you know, what we were then. And I so I, def, I definitely feel like there's a place for music, for, and for music, you know, in general, I feel like music should be in more uh, museums and with that being said i know hip-hop should be placed in museums so that you know like i said i feel like it captures the grand scheme of like the black experience if you listen to the right songs from year to year to year to year to year, i feel like it tells our story um that was another point i was gonna make delon take it away until i come, come back <laughs> to me i'm trying to remember what it was
1: <laughs> i very much that 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 type of stuff, and I hadn't heard of the most definitely in the museum, but that's like the type of stuff that makes me love music so much more. I really love when music presents itself in other mediums. For example, um, or or even like breakdown specific things like Jay Z's Decoded, or or Kanye West uh, Kanye West My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, the visual album that comes with it. Um, I watched that like a mean three times. Like I just love when music comes in other presentations like that. So, definitely, now, Danny you're the museum expert, so I can't speak on it as much as you. Definitely would love to see that a lot more. Um, I don't know how it works, but, you know, I'm also a little wary of hip-hop museums as a whole. Because, like, T.I. being in charge of the museum just kind of threw me off. And I don't really, I, I, I don't know, it's kind of like this, this <laughs> is this mixed bag for me when I need? it to be somebody from Black culture to be in charge of these museums, but I really don't want a specific artist in charge of these museums because <laughs> T.I. I, had a little too, much, little too much power there just determining who's trapped and, you know, the history of trap, and But, yeah, more museums like that. I don't know where I'd like them placed,
4: but, yeah.
3: I've never been to the Trap Museum. I've heard it was a cool um experience. Um, some people I know went and they were telling me about it but I just don't think I cared enough. And then, I don't know, he did that whole... He split like a throne, and it was like Nicki on one half and Cardi on one half, and I was like, yeah, that's not the place for me. And yeah, then he was just with it for <laughs> me. I, was- I like the idea. You, somebody was saying something?
0: Oh, uh, I am about to say, I, I remember what I was going to say earlier. If we did a top... If we uh, did top 10 lyricists all time, across all genres, Shakespeare would be a top 10 rapper. Like, lyricists, like, lyrics... Like, there's a lot of people who are... I feel like there's a lot of people who are better writers. Like, there's a lot of
1: hip-hop. Yeah, goes ghostwriters.
0: Ghost I didn't know that. I mean, it makes a lot of sense, though. But I'm going to say this. There are a lot of really, really talented writers within hip-hop. I think Lupe is one of the greatest writers, not just like, not but just within hip-hop, like, just period. Like, he's very, very good at what he does in terms of, like, putting together stories and telling things with his music. And I feel like hip-hop is an underappreciated form of literature that it just goes untapped. And I feel like mm-hmm. that it should be displayed more so like that, like how Kendrick's um not Tippin' Butterfly, where was it put? And damn were put in two different places. One got a pulitzer and then another one got something else. I can't remember what it was. The
4: Harvard music library or something like that. Yeah.
0: Tippin' Butterflies in Harvard. Damn was given a Pulitzer. And I feel like more mediums like rap should be given. Like that, like damn should not have been the we talked about this before. Damn should not have been the first rap album to get a Pulitzer. There are a lot of albums or are even the the lyricist the lyricism and the writing that goes into those albums are just as good if not damn near way better than damn and i just feel like music in general should hip-hop definitely should be recognized more so for its writing and be you know internalizing museums in that way
3: i think sometimes hip-hop has to be I don't like the term easily consumable because i don't necessarily want my music to be easily consumable like i want my music to kind of challenge me in certain ways but i think as hip-hop is one of those genres um i'm trying to think hard before i say what i want to say i know what i want to say but i'm trying to like map it out so Uh i think so I think people look at black people as like inherently like aggressive or rough or tough or like those. Uh, and I think hip hop attaches like however people view black people, people view hip hop as well. So I think people always look for that one song that's kind of, oh, this is kind of cool. We can listen to this too. We can say this too. We can enjoy this mm-hmm. too. So I think of, I want to say, I think Pock's Dear Mama is in like the, the library of Congress. The Congress is music library, the library of music for Congress, something like that. Um, mm-hmm. but to me, I wouldn't say that's like the pop song that I would put there. If, if there was one pop song, I know it wouldn't be that. I don't even know if that I would put that like in my top five pop songs, but it's easily consumable. It's something everyone can relate to. You don't have to be black to enjoy this. You don't have to be impoverished to love this. Everyone loves their mother. So I think hip hop is like one of those things as well, where we'll see So more to Dre's point where he was like, you know, everyone agrees, not everyone, cause I know a lot of people don't, but. Maybe the vast majority of people agree to a Butterfly is Kendrick's like best work and he took it to heights, he never took it. But it's not mm-hmm. as easily consumable. Everybody cannot relate to this. Everyone cannot like everyone doesn't go through these struggles or these just everyone isn't black. Mm-hmm. So and everyone isn't a black kid from Compton. And to me, that's very much what that album is. So I think that album, hip hop in general, songs, albums, whatever if you're not easily consumable in a way, then you just aren't going to get that love or that recognition. Because, mm-hmm.
4: yeah, and I think it's the sound as well because, um, you know, when Dam got that Pulitzer Prize, I didn't agree with it. I thought Spin Butterfly should have got it, but Dam has a more accessible sound, you know, with Humble and DNA, it's more trap influence sounds and things like, obviously, yeah, he still got, you know, Alchemist and Ninth Wonder on there but the songs that you hear it's more accessible it's more and he's still telling his story and even with Good Man City you know with um, Swimming Pools you know that's a accessible song it's an anti-alcohol song but it's a catchy hook it's a the beat is remin- reminiscent of what the sounds were in 2012 so Spim A Butterfly was there was nothing that sounded like swing butterfly especially not in the mainstream there was nothing so i think it's um there's obviously yeah the content as well but it's, it's also the sound like it's just not a super popular mm-hmm. you know sound of that time so i think i think it's both of those reasons
0: so yeah i think so i think everybody here agrees that hip-hop should definitely be put it should be kind of you know it should be put in Museums, but you know, museums tend to like go way, way, way back, and then hip hop still is a fairly young um, genre. So I can kind of mm-hmm. get why some museums probably wouldn't include it, because some museums might not even reach the 1900. they might just be dabbling more, you know, before that. But um, like I said, you would know more about that than I would, Daniel. But I feel like if anything, if there's any museums with things from the t- 2000s or anything from like the like late 90s, 80s, any, well, since hip hop is being accepted, I feel like there's a place for it in those museums.
4: I feel like, and to counter with that point, I feel like Jay-Z was named to the Songwriters Hall of Fame.
3: I think it was the first rapper, right? The yes.
4: first rapper. But yeah, this was a couple of years ago. It's like, obviously, that's my GOAT, my favorite rapper of all time. There should be more rappers in the Songwriters the Hall of Fame. Year. There should be more. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah.
3: I want to say, stop saying, you know more, Daniel, as far as museums. Museums for everybody. It's it's
1: not.
3: (laughs) So stop saying that. But um, I think museums are just like everywhere else. When I think um, when Delon was talking about the whole, like, it was like catcher, the it thing um, to be like protesting or care about black lives this summer. I think for you mu- I think museums do the same thing. Um, I've definitely gotten in trouble um, professionally for like saying this aloud, but I definitely think museums have been like on this weird bandwagon of like, uh, let's make accessible and like everyone's in and we're inclusive. I hate those words now, accessibility and inclusive, because um, no mm-hmm. one can really explain it, like what it means. Like, what are we talking about? Um, so I think everyone would be like, yeah, let's fake. Yeah, we're camaraderie, but I think it's all um, BS but I think there's a place for everywhere. Um, so yeah, I think you're right in certain spaces where certain s- there are museums of pop culture, there are museums of music and things of that. So I think if it applies, hip hop should be able to be in it. Like it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But once again, about accessibility, um, I work at a civil rights museum, but was just told that we can't talk about Malcolm X. Makes no sense to me. He like literally embodies everything that we talk mm-hmm. about, But I was told just like no flat out like we can't, but I was like, "What are you saying?" And it was like, "Daniel, no." Daniel, come on
1: now. It's a, a two sided coin. No, that, <laughs> that, that, that's that's really what it
3: was. That's really what it was. They're like they're <laughs> not gonna approve this. No, they're not gonna approve this. But whatever. <laughs> this <is> so <laughs> awful. my last um, question. It was really two questions, but I feel like I might as well put them into one. And then I wanna. We're gonna eventually talk about New World Water. I couldn't think of how I wanted to talk about it. But to me, it's like, too, like, I don't know, that song is just heavy and loaded and it makes me think about so much. It makes me think about Flint. It makes me think about Malcolm X. It makes me think about Ghana. Like it just, there's so many layers, but I couldn't figure out how to like get that. But I just want to drop that so everybody know we're going to get back to the world water. (laughs) But (laughs) my final question was, um, I want to know everyone's, yeah, just personal top three from the album, maybe their favorite bar my top three would be do it now umi says and new world water which i think are just all back to back that's a crazy three-run stretch um i can't think of many better i think three-run stretches on the album and then my favorite bar had to be from new world water where he says way up north and down south is drinking it used to have minerals and zinc in it now they said it got lead and stinking it um and once again it just made me think about a lot that is currently happening a lot that has happened before and it was just I was like, God damn, most. <laughs> so, but yeah, go
0: ahead. <laughs> I think my favorite songs are Love, uh, New World Water, and then uh what's the name of the other song? Uh Rock and Roll. Uh turns of favorite things in those songs, things he says. I don't know what it is, but the hook on love I absolutely love. It's like you know, the love, that that part, but also um I start to um I start to write. And, wait, I start to think. I start to think.
4: And then yeah sink, sink into, into the seat. paper like mm-hmm. i was
0: ink i don't know that that visual in my head like it just i don't know I, I love it absolutely
4: you know where yeah. that's from right i don't actually that's a rock bar
0: word the god mc that no one that spoke to me <laughs> <laughs> but uh <laughs> and then like rock and roll I absolutely love him like denouncing like yeah that's not really rock and roll this guy's rock and roll and like that mm-hmm. guy right there nah he ain't rock and roll but this guy's rock and roll like i really love that whole dynamic him just sitting there just saying like just want to click like clear the you know just um, clear the air like hey no nah, these guys are the real rock and rollers like those are the guys who really made this genre they're the ones who made it so i absolutely just love the energy the uh, idea behind that song and then new world water like daniel said it touches on so much that's so relevant today the from flint to he talked about how california being on fire in the 90s and needing water and they can't really they don't really have it and like mm-hmm. somebody i'm friends with on twitter hit yeah, me up yesterday he said fire. california is on fire again now and it's just it's, it's crazy Damn. yeah so those are my favorites
2: i'd say for um for my favorites um i freaking love habitat um I've come to honestly love that song and I can't even put my finger on it cause like he's obviously talking about, you know, like home is where you make it and we all have our different habitats and where we thrive in and survive in. I just think it's a really interesting concept, but I think it's honestly one of my favorite songwriting moments in hip hop just ever, just on, based on like the catchiness and the rhythm of it. Um, beyond that, uh, Miss Fat Booty, I, it's a classic. I don't care if that's a basic pick. I freaking love that song. I think I tweeted it at like, 1130 at night playing uh dominoes with my family that that's like top five hip hop instrumentals ever and two minutes later I saw that Daniel liked it and I'm like hey, hey there we go <laughs> and then uh, I think I think just for uh, the last one um new world water again I think when I I listen to that song now it kind of blows my mind that's one of the few songs that's like truly like speaking it could release today and still basically be it as the same thing like that's how well it's aged
0: incredible Mm -hmm.
2: and i guess Uh, for a favorite uh, bar uh the on um habitat it's while these cats that's less privileged is just more raw less space because the project's laced with more flaws less sleep because the nights ain't peace it's more war the can is raw like thirsty rainy season thunderclaps on the block with your old pop pleading number act to the spot Mm -hmm. with the red top fiends is huddled at just talking about uh, the neighborhood that he grew up in and how tough it was to be there and how many flaws there were and how things need changing. But at the end of the day, that's where he lived, so he had to make the best of it. I think there's just so many layers to that.
0: Word up, word up, word up. What about you, Dre?
4: Um, Top three, I'll probably go Brooklyn. I love, you know, the beat switches. I love the way he's rapping on that. Um, The last part, uh, who shot you? Some of the best rapping i've ever heard in my life like his flow was insane on that one um got was another great song that i love just talking about you know people you know flexing with the jury or whatever and making yourself an easy target and all that and you know that's that's real um and i'd probably go love um for many of the same reasons jordan said like the hook you know everything just you know just just hits perfectly. You know, that was one of the first songs that really clicked for me. Like when my first listen, it was like, yeah, that's the one. Um, everything else kind of grew on me, you know, more, but that one was immediately like, yeah, that's the one. My favorite bar, uh, or bars is probably on hip hop. When he said, the industry is just a better built cell block, a long way from the shell tops and the bells, that L rock. And I look at that and, um, you know, you think about the industry now where labels are trapping young artists into lucrative multi-album deals and not giving the publishing and things like that. So it's basically like you're imprisoning these artists for a limited a certain amount of time. Like you gotta drop this many projects and now they're doing the thing where you drop a project but they listed as a mixtape. So it don't even count as an album on your deal. So now it's just like, it's pretty much a better built cell block. It's like, yeah, they give you an advance, make you think you're doing something. But 10 years from now, when your album is five times platinum and you got $5,000 from it, it's like, it don't really even up. So I think that was really interesting. That was, like I said, 21 years ago and artists are still going through. You know, we had a situation with Meg earlier this year. So, um, you know, it's just another super relevant thing of the album. So... I'd probably say that's my favorite bars of the album. Um,
1: mine, uh, I have a top two. My top two is Do It Now. Bustin' Rhymes with my favorite 90s acts. and I, I'm a sucker for a back and forth. Sucker for a back <laughs> and forth. Um, and then Brooklyn. Uh, and I don't have a favorite bar, but my favorite verse, favorite verse is the second and third verse on Brooklyn. Y'all know that gif of Michelle Obama where she's like, <laughs> from, like, from like a technical aspect, that the, the Brooklyn, I'm like the mm-hmm. whole time, man. I, that 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 man, it felt like I don't want to explain it, but it was just, it was just great. It was,
2: great. it was great. He was put on a clinic on that verse. Both of those words, both those verses.
0: All right, see. So, so, Daniel said he doesn't have any more questions. Did anybody else have any other questions that they brought for themselves or so yeah, stop maybe thought of while we were sitting here? I don't have any. I got.
2: I got one question. Um, so you mentioned uh Twitter earlier. Um, and obviously live is doing bad shit. Just we'll leave it at that, just bad stuff. <laughs> um, but, but um there's been rumors going around for a while. I think I heard it like two years ago that uh Most Def and Quali were both interested in linking up and potentially doing a second Black Star. Would you see that as something that would be would have a space in today, would you be interested in listening to it? Or do you think you could be, you'd be fine without a second one?
3: I personally don't want it. I'm not a person who always cares for sequels personally, um, mm-hmm. especially when it's been that long of a time in between. Like I wouldn't even want to watch Thrones 2 and what that's like 10 years ago. So like, I don't, I don't need it. I probably would still check it out. But like, I know Jeezy just dropped the recession too. And I didn't mm-hmm. listen to it. I barely liked the first mm-hmm. recession. So it's like I, I don't what? need like always a follow up like it's okay to leave let things be and let me enjoy them in that bubble so for me no I don't need it
0: I think I actually saw that it's done like I think that was like mm-hmm. it came out like this year like it's done we just holding on to it I don't know most stuff like see saw what you know maybe he logged on Twitter one day and said let me see what my boy quality be doing on Twitter and he said <laughs> you know what maybe th- maybe I shouldn't drop this album right now and we'll try again in 2021 or 2022 or whenever but it's done. Uh, do I want it? I'm definitely gonna listen to it because I got to hear, I got to hear most verses, and I ain't gonna front. I like quality, I like uh rapping from time to time, still. So I, I, I definitely check it just to hear it. Yeah.
1: I'm afraid of this content. I'm afraid of this content. I would love to listen to it. I'm going to listen to it if it does drop. And I think my point is that's probably the only way we're gonna hear most death ever again on an album, like for a full album. That's what I'm saying. Um, you gotta bite the bullet.
4: Right. Right. <laughs> right. waiting for it now no, so, um, yeah I think they was talking a couple years ago about making a black star um two and you know I'm like I'm with daniel sequel scare me you know you see I got <laughs> blueprint one and not the blueprint two as my background so <laughs> that's a clear sign like sequel <laughs> I haven't listened to Recession 2 yet either. And Recession is by far my favorite Jeezy album. I just, I can't do it. So when it first dropped the news, I was like, okay, that should be interesting. Then they said um, Mad Lib produced it all. And I was like, "Like, come on now. Like a Black Star album produced by Mad Lib, that sounds like a YouTube comment under. Big L video, like, that's just, <laughs> like, that's something that, like, come on now, like, you really expect us to believe that that actually exists, like, come on, so, i listened listen to it, you know, I definitely want to hear most rap some more, like, you know, his verse on education last year was amazing, so, I know he still got it, so, if I can get a whole nother album of most dev verses, or singing, whatever, whatever the hell he's doing these days, I mean, I'll listen to a whole album of it, but, do i think we're gonna get it mm, probably not i think that's just gonna be one of those what if things in hip-hop and, and like i would have believed it if they didn't say Madlib produced it i would have believed it i would have believed it existed i would have believed it somewhere on a cd but when they say Madlib, i'm like nah Mm-mm. so i'll listen to it if it drops but i have no hope
0: yeah i'm gonna you what, <laughs> side note this, this is off topic but uh when G Z announced recession two, I was like, man, that's stupid. Like he released last <laughs> I like he released the last recession. We was in recession. We ain't in a recession no more. And then I Googled, it. like, oh damn, we are in a recession. <laughs> I, I, I didn't even know. <laughs> I didn't even know. <laughs> oh shit. But oh man. Anybody got else got a question? Not a question, but not one. I will say I usually hate sequels, but Buster Rhymes, Extinction
1: Level Event 2 was a
4: very good sequel. Other than that, I really hate sequels as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I guess, in my point earlier, when I talk about dual threats in hip-hop, you know, and, you know, obviously people bring up Lauren and Andre, do y'all feel like most devs should get more credit in regards to being a dual threat in hip-hop?
3: I think I, it depends on maybe the way you're talking about dual threats. So, mm-hmm. um, I think most deaf does get brought up. So when I hear about like rappers who also act, I hear people say like Most Deaf, Queen Latifah, Will Smith. Like I, I hear him in that range. Um, but as far as like musically, and I get what we're saying on how like diverse this album is, and like Umi says he's singing. But for me, and it's gonna sound crazy because I love Most Def. I love this mm-hmm. album. I won't call Most a good singer. I so I-, I think the song is good. So, yeah. I think it worked, but no, I'm not calling most a dual threat because of how he sang on Umi Says. Because naturally, I don't want to hear anybody sing it like that, it just worked for that song.
4: Uh-huh. So,
3: no, I won't be calling most a dual threat in that sense. But if we talk about rappers who I believe can like make music but then also act or do it in like different art forms, I'll throw most mm. in that space. And I think that is a space that people do respect him in.
0: I'll say this yeah. a lot of times though when people talk about rappers who can do both, they don't generally think like I get why you said that, Dan, but a lot of times they don't think in terms of like he can actually sing and he can't. So I'm not like, I'm gonna exclude him because he can't sing. Uh so with that being said, I think he should in those conversations, I do think he deserves more credit for rappers who are capable of You know, doing hooks, also like doing an entire song of singing, even if it's not, and maybe not the best singing, but the fact that he's able Mm. to execute it and still make a good song, and I think that's the most important thing because you don't have to be a really good singer to uh, make a good song. I've learned that in recent years. Or even like that's even like a um, what was it? I think I had an argument with one of my uh, other co-hosts, Cord, about this. We were talking about what was it? Was it not jazz? Was it like rock and roll? I guess a lot of rock and roll singers who could not actually sing, but like they made incredible music so i I don't want to discount him that for in that regard but if like i said if if people have conversations about dual threats and being able to do both and make good songs while doing both he definitely should be mentioned more but uh, in terms of like a lot of times people talk about it they're talking about in terms of hey this person influenced drake to be a dual threat because that's who that's what his music sounds like you know they'll say like kanye and kid Cudi influenced them i don't know how many people like how many rappers start rapping today and try to sing and rap and they did it because they heard most stuff doing it. So in that uh-huh. so and I think that's why a lot of times he gets excluded from that conversation.
3: Yeah, I hear I, I was trying to think of um I heard you speaking and immediately I was thinking of my retort. But um yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's a damn dude. And you know it would be a fun little counter, Jordan. If every episode we did like Daniel was only do like a counter of how many times you start off with. I heard what Delon was saying, but Delon said that shit earlier, but <laughs> we do like a counter in the corner
0: of the screen. We, we should just do a drinking game. Just take a uh, shot. Take a uh, shot uh, every uh, <laughs> the next episode. Take a <laughs> shot every time he does it. Oh man. we would be drinking champs yep. by the end of it.
3: Yeah, most is talented. But yeah, I just don't. I don't know. I just don't think most is a dual threat in that way. Or at least mm-hmm. not to what I think a dual threat means in my mind. So I guess that,
1: like I said, yeah, yeah so okay. I just. I, yeah, I think the, the divide here is is good at it and can make it work. And yeah, it's just that divide, really.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: so, yeah, I think he makes Semantics. it work, but I don't like the definitely
2: depth tr- Semantics. He definitely tries a lot of different stuff. I mean, what's, what's the name of the album after um, the new Danger that he dropped, like, that was, like, his second album? It's kind of Mm -hmm. like a rap rock album which is super weird um i admire the experimentation uh not so much i guess the execution i think that is like his worst received album by like a wide margin but he does like try and incorporate more like i guess rock elements into his music than a typical uh hip-hop artist would so i could consider him a dual threat from that point of view
0: Noted, noted, noted. Yeah,
3: I guess we call him, like, a genre bender.
4: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Easily. Um, but, yeah, that's,
0: is that it? Is that all we got?
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. I just wanted to, once again, say, I think New World Water is, like, um yeah, it's just, I, <laughs> I don't, I was listening to, um, yeah, I just kept re-listening to Black on Both Sides, because I knew we were doing this, and I don't mm-hmm. even think that was, like, originally on, like, one of my favorite songs on the album. But um in this like new like re-listening to it, I was just like, yo. And I think I've been um I've been reading a lot of Malcolm's speeches lately, because I don't know, that's just where I am right now. Who knows? But mm. um it just made me think of um, yeah, Malcolm talking about like how um like the blackness is like universal, like it's a global thing. And he was saying, like, you know, the issue is like the black man in Harlem feels like he's isolated and like his issues are only his. But he's like, you know, once the black man in Harlem realizes the black man in Ghana and he have like the same issues, then we can like be connected on a global scale and then we're like really a force. So when hearing most talk about like, um, just like issues black people face in like different like areas. Just mm-hmm. shit, most. So um, yeah, I don't know. It just, it, it, it touched me in a way like that I didn't expect it to or that it hasn't touched me um, before. But yeah, I just think that song is, um, yeah, something mean, something crazy.
0: I was the exact same way as dre where love was like the first song that, like really connected with me with like with most And i thought like okay this is the one like this is the, like this guy's nice and um listening to the album i, I always like black on both sides as an album but like we just relisten to experience like Newer water, water really grabbed me in a way it didn't, it hadn't in the past. I don't know if I just was like just skimming the music where the Jay Z, um, the first mm-hmm. couple times I'll listen to it, but this time I was like sitting there really listening to what he was saying. I was like, yo, this is an incredible ass song, and it's mo- and it's mostly because, like, we like me and Tommy said, where the where so much of what it says today applies to. Th- yeah, you know, so much what it said then applies to today. Like literally, that song could be dropped today, and you would think he's speaking directly on what's happening in California and the South and the North and Ghana and all these other different countries. It's amazing. And like I don't think there's a lot of songs like that within music, period, that can talk can talk so specifically about issues in the world and then it translate 23 decades later. Like it's it's, it's incredible. So
4: I think that, you know, everything you said, I think, you know, Daniel, too, when you talk about New World Water, but in this album specifically, I think that's one of the um, things that make this album a classic, just how relevant it is. Like, if you can listen to it right now and it's still, the topics are still relevant and, you know, we're still going through these things, unfortunately, but, you know, that's reality. I think that's one of the things that make it classic, you know. That's what makes Tupac so one of the things that make him so revered because everything he's talking about in 96 and 95, we still going through in 2020. So I think this album, I think that adds to the classic status of this album. Or if somebody wants to argue, you know, is this album a classic? It's like, well, you can listen to it right now. And he could drop this album right now. And I don't think it would sound too outdated because it's a timeless sound. You know, you got to think in 99... That was no limit, Cash Money, um, Rockefeller, Bad Boy. Like this don't sound nothing like any of that. So it's not a trendy sound. So I think even if he dropped this album today, you'd be like, okay, New World Order. Okay, well we got the Flint crisis is going on, and everywhere else, you know, you got hip hop. Okay, that, that's still relevant. No fear, not a man. All of that. So I think all of that just culminates to this album being a a classic and not just hip-hop and music in general honestly
2: yeah i, th- I definitely it's 100 percent a classic uh we were talking about you know it might not have had the biggest influence in terms of the aesthetics the sounds or the trends of future music but i think it was incredibly relevant for what the subject matter actually is mm-hmm. you know varying from song to song people are still talking about the things there are still things going on that are relevant to the music that he made I I was watching the for like final prep for uh this uh zoom call I was watching the music video for Miss Fat Booty and I saw someone in the comments say this is the first I fell in love with a stripper song and I saw that and I'm like <laughs> <you> know <laughs> and then I thought back oh, to T Pain. I thought, back to T- I thought back to T-Pain's song, and I'm like, shit, he's kind of right. People are still making songs like that. So at the end of the day, the subject matter, I think, <laughs> is what's influenced the most and what makes it really a classic, just the way that everything you talked about is true to life and true to everyone's lives in one way or another, musically or not.
0: Word up. All right. We've been here a while. Thank you all for tuning in. Uh, thank you, Dre, for coming on. Thank you, Tommy, Daniel. As always, it was a pleasure having y'all, all three of you guys, on. This was a lot of fun. Uh, had a lot of great discussion about most stuff. I'm glad we could sit here and talk about his music and like really bring life to it. Like like we talked about earlier, he's a almost a forgotten legend. You can almost call him more of a myth in hip hop. The fact yeah. that nobody really ever talks about him, except when it's like very hyper specific conversations. So it's good to be able to give him an hour and 30 of our time today. And uh, hopefully every, other people most hear this and 10, even think themselves, wait, what do you say, Daniel? <laughs> most
3: of my top 10. Well, I, I don't know about that. Nobody talk about him and all that. <laughs> I talk about most a lot. Well, hopefully. you're right. Continue.
0: I hope, hopefully <laughs> hopefully somebody today, somebody, well, not today, when this episode comes out, whenever it comes out, hopefully somebody hears mm-hmm. it, it inspires him to go listen to the album. And they be like, you know what? He's in my top 10 as well. So, like I said, thank you all for tuning into another episode of Poppin' the, Pop the Man podcast. Tune in next week for another episode of your favorite podcast.